Welcome to my testimony, and today we have a truly special episode, Don. Uh, this was this was a long time coming. It was uh, yeah. We have we to have, hurry it up. <laughs> we have our very own Pastor Joseph Sologen. Pastor Joe, welcome okay. to your long your long overdue uh, testimony <laughs> on my testimony. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, awesome. and awesome. we and we know we know you are avid watcher of my testimony, yep. and you um thank you so much for your kind words every time um, when you have watched yes. an episode and your encouragement it, with this. With it's this. been definitely a, a blessing for me and for many many other people, and uh, it's one of the best components, I believe, at this point of our media ministry. Amen. Because. Uh, it reaches hundreds of people every single week. That's amen. amazing. Amen, amen, amen. And we give we give God all the glory for that. So, so welcome again, and we're looking forward with sharing with you today. Same here. get into Pastor Joe's testimony, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for this uh, beautiful day that you provided for us. We thank you for Pastor Joe and his family. And we just ask as he shares with us his testimony today, that our hearts will be watered and that the experiences that we will all experience with him would be a blessing to us and to others and that your name will be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so Pastor Joe, we know you are from Romania. So let's start in Romania, your journey. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how everything started. I was born like anybody else. <laughs> uh, nothing special happened around my birth. Mm. But then at one point, um, I don't know exactly how old, but I was very, very young. Mm. I got sick. And uh, my grandma's house, so the mother of my mother, mm -hmm. her house was right behind the hospital. And my mom picked me up and ran with me to the hospital. I was so dehydrated that the doctors were concerned with regard to my recovery. Mm. And uh, my mom prayed for me mm. and she said something uh, like, Lord, I'm just giving this child back to you do whatever you want with him wow oh wow interestingly i found out about this story much later okay my mom never spoke to me about it until i was 20 
2020. Mm. And uh, she spoke to me about this in a very interesting context. I was in my second year of theological studies and I was going through uh, an existential crisis. It's an existential crisis you go through when you discover that the fate of your father and mother or the fate of your parents will not keep you. You will have to have your own faith in Jesus Christ. Right. You right. cannot inherit your parents' faith, really. Right. You have to come to the realization that you are a sinner and you are lost and you need a savior. Mm. So what happened is I was uh, on the verge of becoming an atheist. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. While studying theology. Mm. Okay. So one winter I went home for um, vacation. And I didn't say too much. I just uh, started asking my mom some questions. And... Uh, those were questions like, uh, how do you know the Bible is God's word? Mm -hmm. How do you know what even exists? How do you know the God of the Bible is the right God? Mm -hmm. And of course, mom being a very simple woman from uh, a village, right? She didn't have uh, the education to give me answers. Okay those uh, pretty difficult questions. Right. Mm -hmm. So at one point I saw my mom uh, starting to cry. Mm. Big tears appeared in her eyes and uh, were falling down. And all she could say was this. My son, you have not been like this. I don't know how you have become like this. Mm. You were not like this. I don't know how you have become like this. Right. And that kind of woke me up. But going back, going back to my uh, first moments of life, I think that must have been a critical moment, a radical moment, although I don't know anything about it. So I have no recollection of that moment. Right. So obviously it was probably in my first year mm -hmm. of life. Mm. But looking back, I even, I even had a hard time with my mom when she told me that story. And I was asking uh, myself and even her, why didn't you speak to me about this? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why didn't you tell me you dedicated me to the Lord? Mm. Because in my uh, way of understanding reality at that time, had I known I was specially dedicated to the Lord, I would have had a much better understanding of the things that were happening to me through life. Right, mm. right. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> that must have been a very important moment when uh, as a child i was dedicated to god and then i i started growing nothing special about uh, my development maybe i was different somewhat different from my siblings okay. i have uh, one 
older brother mm-hmm. and uh, two younger brothers. Mm-hmm. And I was different in the sense that I, from very early on, I started to develop a desire for books, for reading, for learning. Right. I had this intellectual orientation, whereas all my family, uh, my siblings, uh, everybody's very practical. Right. Okay. Very pragmatic in their way of uh, relating to life. Mm-hmm. So, growing up, you know, as a child, I uh, I had good grades in school. I always was at the top of the class, and uh, and then little by little, I I cannot even explain how I developed this attraction toward the Bible, toward the religious, the realm of religion. I know. These days, uh, there are all kind of uh, psychological explanations, and they would say that some people have uh, um, intelligence that works in different realms. Right. Um, some people have a strong IQ, other mm-hmm. have a strong EQ. Right. Then there are people that are more inclined toward. Uh, philosophy, religion, the speculative realm of uh, reality. I, I often found myself as a child growing up thinking about life. Okay. And I, I felt somewhat odd because I, in, my, in my way of, uh, of seeing uh, other children around me, I had the impression my thoughts are not their thoughts. Mm. My way of looking at life is not right. their way of looking at life. And uh, sometimes uh, I, I felt uh, um, different. Uh, I felt weird even. Mm-hmm. But I never felt uh, bored, you know. Okay. Uh, Right. Somehow, if if I didn't have anybody around me, or um, I could have a moment of silence, I would uh, just withdraw and read a book. Mm-hmm. To the point where I ran into difficulties with that, because living in the country, um, you have to work in the fields, right? right. You have to do agriculture mm-hmm. along with your parents. So. Um, sometimes I would disappear and just go into uh, the inner room and uh, pull out a book f- from under my pillow wow. and uh, and uh, read that book in the hidden. I-, I had a very traumatic experience when I was, I think I was the second grade. I knew I I could read already. Mm. could read well, maybe third grade, third grade, I think it was. And uh, I kind of read all the children's books from the little uh, village school that I was attending. So I I didn't have uh, anything to read. Wow. Yeah, so I asked my brother, my um, elder brother, to bring me a book from the big library of the school in the town where he was now attending. Okay. And um, surprisingly, 
because we were very different. So he had no attractions to books. Mm -hmm. But surprisingly, uh, he uh, borrowed a book for me. And I was fascinated. I I was reading, hiding and and reading the, the book. Until one day, my father caught me. It was in the winter. I had to be working something. Mm-hmm. He caught me reading in the room, so he took my book and uh, threw it in the fire. Oh, my. Uh, and uh, I was—I I still remember—I was so hopeless and helpless. Yeah. Mm. Uh, watching how my book is burning, the storybook was right. consumed wow. literally by fire. Wow. I remember after after that. Um, trauma i went to the fireplace and opened the door and 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 even even moved the ashes with Mm -hmm. a stick i don't know what i was doing really but it was it was such a traumatic experience for me Hmm. so yeah that's that's the child that's the child i i was not well integrated in my uh, immediate environment as i said i was not born Right. Because I always had the refuge. The book. But integrated, I was not. Uh, my family had uh, a lot of animals, cows. Um, you would have to go and uh, take care of the cows in on the pasture mm-hmm. and milk the cows and, and uh, then go and uh, work in the fields. Um, and uh, yeah, because you have to, to produce the hay you know, for the cows during right. the winter. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of work. Right. Um, I, I, I know all the agriculture work mm-hmm. that uh, was done in those days. It was all done manually. We had no tractor and uh, mechanic uh, um, machines, you know, that we could use in the work of the field. Mm-hmm. So it was all manual in those days. Um, I can say I benefited a lot of it in the sense that my muscles grew strong, although <laughs> I always was a very tiny little boy mm-hmm. until I, I became like 17. Uh-huh. And that was another very, very weird reality for me because my brother, my elder brother, is a very strong and uh, big bone guy. Okay. Right? Um, mm-hmm. A little taller a little taller than me mm-hmm. and uh, he became strong and tall very very early on like at the age of 12 he started growing like crazy mm-hmm. okay so now imagine that i only started growing uh, visibly you know at the age of 17 so mm-hmm. from when i was 10 until i became 17 uh-huh. there seemed to be a huge gap between him <laughs> right. and myself Wow. People would think uh, there may be six, um, seven years of gap right. between the two of us mm-hmm. when it, in fact, there was only two years. Wow. Right? Wow. So uh, that was critical in many ways for me because I, I had that sense of inferiority mm-hmm. um, on one side, but then on the other side, I knew I was very strong uh with my uh, mental right. abilities you my my intellectual right uh, orientation so right. 
I, I did not have a very good relationship with my uh, older brother. Mm. Um, I was much closer to the younger brothers because I was uh, the carekeeper, you know, okay. the caretaker mm-hmm. of my younger brothers. That's, mm-hmm. that's how the family dynamics was. Mm-hmm. Actually, my uh, elder brother, he would work with my father outside mm. of the household. Uh, so he was his helper. Mm. I, I was my mom's helper mm. until the time uh, when the younger brothers grew up so they could help mom in the household. But no matter what your role was, especially in the summer, but also in the winter, uh, sometimes you had to just work outside and, and, and do whatever was uh, in the season, you know? Right, right. Okay. So, sound like you were, so between you and your brother, you were like a Jacob and an Esau story. Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Uh, yeah, very, <laughs> oh, very much so. Um, and I can, I can tell you story after story of how uh, he, he, he was trying to put me in my place and I tried to put him in his place, you know? Wow. Because wow. there was this uh, rivalry. Right, okay. Uh, he knew he was stronger than me, mm-hmm. but then uh, I believe he knew that uh, when it comes to learning um, and the books and uh, school, mm-hmm. I was uh, way above, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, he would do it to me, and I would do it do it to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting <laughs> dynamics. Right, right, to, right. To, to this day, in a way, we are in very good relationship, but uh, but I still sense this this i don't know if it's if it's real or it's just imaginary but mm-hmm. i sometimes still feel that he wants to prove something to me okay and i sense that he may think the same way about me you know? right mm. <laughs> yeah okay so very interesting you um why did you um why did you go to study theology if you were um you know why theology you know you yeah, had, you had options to do other things, you know, but why did you choose theology? I had many options, actually. And uh, if you look at my immediate environment, it may seem that I had no options, really. My, my predestined option would have been to become another uh, farmer in the village. Okay, right. Right. Because that's the environment. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the village boy then uh, started growing intellectually. And as I said, I don't know exactly how, but I developed from early on this mm-hmm. sense of attraction and uh, desire of understanding. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about life. Okay. And uh, to your question, what determined me, what made me decide, my uh, gut feeling answer would be, I didn't become uh, what I have become because of, but in spite of. Mm. Let me explain that. Right. Um, In my environment, a very, very conservative uh, context, Seventh-day Adventist context, mm-hmm. conservative, but at the same time, 
a conservatism that doesn't live up to what they preach as precepts. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, it was very disturbing for me. I remember myself thinking about this specific aspect of uh, Christianity. I was thinking, okay, so how is this? I understand there is God, but something must be wrong. Something must be profoundly, deeply wrong about what is going on in the religion of my parents, of my local church. This was a small village church mm -hmm. of uh, like 30 people. Right. And uh, although I had this sense of dissatisfaction with regard to uh, the religion I was in, mm. I somehow had that sense that, yes, in its teaching, this church is the right church. Mm. And I started reading the Bible um, and uh, I started discovering. I wasn't an avid reader of the Bible until I became 17. Okay. But I would read parts of the Bible and I would discover a God that I could see, even in my child uh, mind, I could see in contrast with what I was experiencing sometime in the family and in the church. Right, right. Then when I became a high schooler, uh, this urge, this desire to uh, go and study the Bible, study theology, and for that, there are impacts that uh, I got from some of the pastors that uh, were there in my childhood. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> this desire of going to study theology uh, became ever stronger. Mm -hmm. And uh, at one point, uh, I decided to get baptized. And I was baptized at the age of 17. Okay. And... Uh, it was a very traumatic experience for me because, first of all, my father refused to come to my baptism. Oh, wow. Because of some dissensions that he had with all his family. And I will, I will speak about that uh, in more details. Mm -hmm. So he didn't attend the baptism. On the contrary, he had some very uh, disturbing words with me before leaving. Wow. Uh, for the baptism and then on the same day when i was baptized when uh, we got home i had to work something in barn and uh, i was actually manufacturing brooms if you know what that is okay. yeah, yeah i know how yeah. to manufacture a broom mm -hmm. i grew up uh, doing brooms mm. uh, and selling them in the marketplace so i can have some money but anyways, I was working uh, on the brooms that late afternoon when my elder brother came in very uh, disturbed and he said, uh, hey, uh, RP, RP was a good friend of mine. He just died in, at the ocean. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. He, yeah. he went into the ocean and the waves took him. Mm. that was it oh, wow. uh, and he was one of our good friends and it was especially impactful for me because I uh, in, in my previous year when I was 16 I kind of fell in love 
with uh, the first girl that uh, I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And that girl was this guy's sister. Okay. Right? So at, at 16, I would even go to their house sometimes. Right. And uh, we, we really were in very good relationship. So uh, I think it was that day when I, I uh, decided with no return that I am going to uh, pursue uh, this uh, pastoral call that I, I was sensing right. in my life. Go and study theology, become a minister. Right. Uh, so, but, I, but as I said, I cannot say it was because... I would rather say it was despite of because when this desire grew strong in me, uh, I had a very strong opposition from my father. Mm-hmm. My father grew up as a Seventh Day Adventist, but he was he has always he had always been a very critical uh, person when it comes to the leadership of the Church of Seventh Day Adventism. Okay. Uh, to the point where he would have all kind of altercations with pastors. Mm. He was uh, this fellowship at one point, then uh, received again back in the fellowship, and then this fellowship again. So very interesting dynamics in his life. But he was very, very against me becoming a pastor. He didn't stop me, mm. but he would use all he could to change my mind my mind his desire his dream for me was uh, that i should become a medical doctor oh, okay who i intellect so i could do it he would he would uh, always tell me that he would do whatever it takes to keep me in school only that i didn't believe that was my call right at least not at that time Right. So, uh, in spite of everything, I went ahead, I pursued uh, my uh, preparation to get into a theological school, because in those days, there was a very strong uh, um, uh, exam that you had to pass to get into a school. Right. You had uh, at least uh, three candidates per one place. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, it wasn't like medical school, of course, right. but still, still it, it was, uh, pretty, pretty difficult to get into, um, studying theology. Mm. Now I, uh, ended up finishing high school. It, it was a very good journey for me because in high school, I kind of discovered where my strengths were. I started out mm-hmm. studying math and physics first. Okay. Uh, ninth grade and tenth grade was uh, maths and physics. Okay. But then I realized my attractions were not numbers but letters. Oh. So eleventh and twelfth grade, I I changed my uh, career path because that's that's a system in Romania, mm-hmm. and I I went to languages. So I studied French and German. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of English, but I never had a qualified teacher for English, really. So English, I started learning later on when I was in college. But I finished high school and then I went for the exam. Uh, it was uh, quite far from uh, my home. It was a, a day of uh, 
traveling by train wow. to get there. Okay. So I got there. Um, the exam was wonderful. And then I went back home by train, you know, another day. And then the following week, uh, we were promised we will be given the results. Mm. Now, uh, the following week, I had to ride my bike to the town so I can call because there was no phone. I, right, I right. was in the village. Right. So I went to the town to call. And to my surprise, I was the first, the top of the list of those that entered uh, the school. Wow. Oh, wow. Was wow. admitted. Right? Okay. And uh, I was very happy. And I'm, I'm only saying this, you, you, you've never heard me say this, I believe. <laughs> but I'm, I'm only saying this to create a contrast. Right. I went home and I, I, uh, I will always probably remember this picture. My father the morning ritual uh, and when I say that it's not about prayer it's about uh, eating uh, milk and uh, jelly right okay. and uh, he had his specific place at the table right at the end of the table uh -huh. so you enter the, the house and he, he was sitting at the table on this side this end of the table mm -hmm. I ran into the house you know after riding for like 10 15 minutes mm -hmm. my bike i ran into the house i said yay i i was admitted i'm the first on the list mm. to which my father was very silent mm. and after a while he said well i knew you were gonna get in i knew you were go gonna get in mm. and that was that was all his compliments oh wow, oh, wow. yeah so uh, it didn't feel good right it didn't feel good Right. But um, thank God I was confident enough that I was I was going in the right direction, I believe. Mm. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah, that that started uh, my uh, my life into ministry. Actually, not really that, because before that, I already was uh, an um, associate youth leader of the church. Right. And, uh, an associate Sabbath school leader of the church. So I started ministering in the church very early. Mm. Uh, even, even before getting baptized, I was one of the translators <laughs> in the church because my church was a bilingual church, okay. Romanian and Hungarian. So okay. quite often you had to translate from one language into the other. Mm -hmm. And they kind of discovered me and picked me up very early as a translator so i would translate and that de developed a lot my communication skills right. otherwise in my basic nature i'm a very shy person mm. i was a stuttering child oh, okay oh, wow. i would have real difficulties carry one phrase from the beginning beginning to the end mm. even now if i'm stressed out you will hear me stutter it's a oh. it's a mental you know oh, okay it's not it's not something that has to do with uh, the the formation of the sounds or the mechanical part of it. It's uh -huh. a mental thing. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but translating almost Sabbath after Sabbath. And uh, then as a child, as a youth, I would attend Bible camps. And uh, uh, in those days, there were Bible camps in which that's what you did. Study the Bible. You had uh, like three sermons uh, a day. Mm -hmm. And because because uh, they thought I was good at it, they would have me translate like 
that was the greatest joy of my summers because I could get away from uh, the field, from the working, uh, okay, right, boiling, you know, right, and and go for seven to ten days and just translate from from uh, evening till morning, and wow. I, I would never get tired. Never my, get tired. Wow, wow. So that 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 started this. Um, this attraction toward words languages mm-hmm. now weirdly enough nobody really helped me in my early youth discover that i was really gifted in this mm-hmm. area actually i don't even think i'm very gifted i think i'm, I'm more of a of a hard worker when it comes to languages yes. and i have a certain way of learning languages mm-hmm. um, but uh, i was not discovered early in my uh, youth mm. so i grew up with romanian and hungarian mm-hmm. so i was pretty proficient uh, by the time i got into college in those two languages mm-hmm. one was my language the language of my school so i had to know that language romanian mm-hmm. and hungarian was the language of the village i grew up in Okay. And although although there's a huge difference between the current mm-hmm. Hungarian language that they speak in the village and the academic language, mm-hmm. uh, I, I discovered, and that was a very good discovery, that I had the ability to improve it to sound academic at one oh, point. Okay. So, but then then I, I started learning French right in school, and I I became uh, pretty good at it in high school, especially in the last two years of high school where my focus was uh, languages uh, specifically french mm-hmm. then a little bit of german and then i started english in uh, college i learned english believe it or not in three months oh wow because in my first in my first uh, year i didn't know any almost any english mm-hmm. but then i realized hey if i want to to reach my full potential then I have to learn English because most of the theological lit- literature and then Ellen G. White, right, was mm-hmm. English. Right. So I said, okay, I, I have to learn this language. So I said, okay, let me let me let me start learning it. And in three months, I want to be at least at the level of my colleagues, those that those that studied English in school. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, in three months, I developed uh, uh, vocabulary and uh, communication. Uh, ability to be able to to handle everything that I needed uh, at that time in English, and pretty soon I became a translator from Romanian from English into Romanian or Hungarian as well. Okay. okay. So 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 that that was that was a very um, good part of my youth. You know the fact the, the fact that the church discovered me and encouraged me, they saw value in me. In spite of the fact that sometimes I would stutter, uh-huh. they saw the potential. And there were many people uh, that, in spite of my my uh, discouragement uh, from my father, uh, encouraged me to, to go ahead and do it. Okay. So let me come back to this concept of in spite of. I became right. uh, in spite of. Because... You reevaluate your life at every stage of life. Right. Yeah. And uh, when I look back now, I I tend to say, yeah, it wasn't actually in spite of. 
actually because of. Oh. Because God has been working through it all. And maybe if I had no opposition, I would have not pursued it's true. Right. the call that, that God placed on my life. Right. I don't know. But, but, but um, I, let me, let I, me, let me yes. interject here. Um, one thing, because yes. I, I wanted to get back to why, why did you start thinking about being an atheist, though, after you, you went to, um, to study theology? What, 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 what took you into that direction? That's a very good question. Very, very good question. You know, you grow up uh, in the village in a very rural, traditional setting, and you have a very limited knowledge and understanding of life. Yes, you know the birds go to the warm places, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> other than that, you don't know too much about life. I didn't okay. have the chance to travel when I was a right. young right. person. Right? Right. I, I, I just traveled by train a little bit. I, I had car sickness, motion sickness. Mm. So I would avoid traveling practically. Uh, and uh, here you are, you know, uh, after one year of uh, being placed as a sort of an intern. So in Romania at that time, now it's different, but in that time, at that time, when before you started studying theology, after you took your uh, entrance exam and you were admitted, mm -hmm. you were placed with a pastor in a church. And uh, that time, one year, one full year, would give you the chance to see if you really are made for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, it would also give the chance to the church to see if your giftedness is in the right place. Gotcha. Right? Mm -hmm. So I had that year. That, that year was amazing for me because mm -hmm. the, the little village boy, got to be an intern in the largest church of the conference at the same at, at that time okay in the largest city right uh, in that conference right and uh, although i i sensed i didn't fit in at first there was a very lovely family they had uh, two boys and uh, the eldest of them was pretty close in age to me, a year or two younger than me. We are still good friends, very good friends. He lives in Germany now. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, they kind of took me under their wings yeah. and, and tried to educate, to teach the village boy a lot of things, mannerism right. and everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of things to unlearn and a lot of things to learn. Mm -hmm. So after that time, that has been a, a, a that that had been a great experience. I uh, I went now to study. Right. Okay. So you were entering school practically only now after that full year of mm -hmm. practice in a local church, mm -hmm. which happened to be a city church, the largest church in that area. Mm -hmm. To this day, I thank God for that opportunity because that opened up my mind for a lot of things. But wow. we'll come back to that later. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm now I'm now studying. Mm -hmm. Study has always uh, always been uh, easy to me, uh, for me, right? Mm -hmm. I never had problems that I would not pass a class. Uh, I was the top of the class, no problem about that. But 
um, one year, two years into my studies, after all the introductions in theology, New, New Testament studies, Old Testament studies, mm -hmm. I could see the inherited faith of my parents crumbling and, uh, and, and falling apart. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yep. So it, it was like, hey, 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 uh, you, you, you've been thinking so limited and, and uh, your faith was never thought out. Right. Okay. Uh, your faith was, was uh, very, very, uh, I don't even know how to call it, limited, uh, simplistic, idealistic. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. And I found myself at a place where everything was slowly falling apart. Mm. And I, I was now asking the big questions of life. Only now, after I've been asking all kinds of questions, only now those questions have become deep and, and strong where they could now turn everything upside down. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in that context, I believe uh, I, I also had a, an emotional and relational disconnect of some kind, some disappointments. Some of the teachers didn't behave or treat me uh, the way I thought they should have as Christians. Right. right? And I found myself with a, a pretty large group of my uh, class. So we were out of the 30 uh, colleagues, I think uh, maybe 10 of us were in the same or similar situations. Oh, okay. Where we were, we were debating and questioning everything. Wow. Everything. Wow. Now, I, I, never, I never became a convicted or convinced atheist. Because if you are a reasonable uh, human being and you ask honestly all your questions, you will have a hard time becoming a convinced atheist. Mm -hmm. But you will, you will possibly get to a place of inquiry, of doubts, of questions, where you will say, okay, I don't believe neither in God nor in anything else. Mm -hmm. I just... Don't believe I'm an agnostic. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. right? Uh, and then, and then with perspectives to become an atheist, to conclude there is no God. I, I never could reach that level. Okay. I could never conclude there was no God because mm -hmm. how can you say there is no God? Right. Can you test it? Can you prove it? Can you touch it? No, there's, right. there's no way. In order for you to eliminate all the mathematical possibilities of God's existence in the universe, you yourself have to be God. That's true. That's true. Okay, so so that that was a paradigm that was very difficult for me to to uh, wrap uh, my mind uh, around. And um, after after some some trouble sometimes, and of course. In this, this context, uh, you also have your disappointments in, in love, you know, mm. because uh, uh, you, you try to uh, uh, conquer the unconquerable. Okay. So, <laughs> you so gotta, I think you got to break that down for us. What does that mean? 
Yeah. Uh, it just means what it means, you know. Because uh, uh, at that time, you know, being young and, and crazy and uh, still lacking uh, some, some of the elements that some other children got from the family, mm-hmm. right? Uh, like behavior, mannerism. Uh, I had a hard time. I had a hard time uh, having a, a stable um, relationship with a girl, dating a girl. Okay. Uh, that's that's another uh, <laughs> episode, you know, not episode, <laughs> repeated pattern, you know, that uh, I had to pay uh, later on for. Right. Wow. But anyways, um, I... Uh, by God's grace, by God's grace, I got to the point where where somebody spoke to me, one of the uh, professors, and uh, he told me something like this. Listen, I understand the, uh, the crisis you're going through, and that is normal to some degree. Mm. Uh, he said, I have a problem with uh, the people that never go through that existential crisis because that means their faith is either shallow or there is no faith right, there. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But if you are going through it, it means that God really is waking you up to some things. That's true. And this is what he said. Imagine yourself on a big water and uh, you are on a raft. And uh, you realize your raft is not good. Hmm. <laughs> But you have no other raft right. as of yet. Right. Mm-hmm. He said, don't jump from your raft until you've fabricated, you've, you've created a new raft new yeah. and then jump to that raft. New one. Because if you jump into the water, yeah. you're done. Of course. And that was a very, very wise way of looking at reality. So I said, okay, so let me, let me stay. Let me stay a Christian. And from, from my, uh, my boat, right, let me analyze all the other boats that may, uh, may be out there on the water. Mm-hmm. And I started analyzing boats. Mm-hmm. And uh, the inquisitive mind that I have mm-hmm. helped me turn all the slabs, all the stones, see what's below, you know. And I started reading, uh, studying about religions, uh, other religions, uh, world religions. And, and in the end, I, I came back to analyze Christianity. And I said, oh, wow. Hmm. From everything that I could find, philosophy that re- and religion and everything else, if there is any answer, the answers that, that satisfy my longings, are coming from the realm of Christianity. Wow. More specifically from Jesus Christ, right. the Savior, mm-hmm. and the Bible. And if, if, if I'm in a bad place and I need a Savior, and I, I clearly realized at that time I, I needed a... There was too much a noise and mess in my life for me not to come to the conclusion I needed somebody to help. Right. Right. I looked around and I saw everybody else was the same miserable. Okay, uh, right. I was, so then how can they help me? So I, I definitely needed somebody from outside of the realm of uh, humanness to help. 
But I needed somebody close enough to uh, humanity to be able to help. Amen. So Jesus Christ fit the, 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 the picture pretty well. Right. And, and then, uh, uh, of course, uh, I, I had to uh, see the value of the Bible uh, and, and uh, try to sort out from all the holy or uh, supposedly holy writings in this world, why is the Bible the real one, the mm. real deal? Right. Why isn't the, the God of, uh, of the Muslims, of the Hindus, right. uh, mm -hmm. and everything else, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, why isn't that God uh, better, those gods yeah. uh, better than, than the God of the Bible? Wow. So, so, yeah, I, I never, I never uh, could eliminate the existence of God from the equation. Mm -hmm. So if God existed, then, then uh, God somehow should be willing to communicate if, if he's a good God, is a benevolent right. God. Exactly. Right. He should be trying to communicate with us, to us somehow. Right. Then uh, which channel of communication really is his channel of communication? Okay. And I got to the conclusion that the Bible was uh, the most reasonable um, out of the other options, right? And, and of course, the Bible offered this perspective of, of the Savior that brought a solution to a problem that I have from early childhood. Mm. I've always had a problem with the, the concept of death. Oh. I found myself in, in my early childhood already uh, thinking about death. Oh, wow. How, how, how is that? How is, oh. how is it that... that I grew up, uh, I, I, I was born on this street here and I, I got to know these elderly people and one by one, they just disappear. Oh, okay. Right. There's no answer to that. Right. No solution for it. Right. And, and philosophy, philosophy is trying uh, uh, to uh, explain it away, but there's no solution in philosophy. No. And, and anywhere else really, the way I find it in the Bible. Mm. Because the Bible uh, gives you the perspective that you are brought back to real existence. It's not your, your soul floating somewhere. It's, it's you. you. You will be brought back. Right. And that's, uh, that's the beautiful teaching of resurrection. So, yeah. Uh, very, very interesting. So, wow. so in spite of, so you... you um, because so you can because of so you can continue now with that part of the story yeah see yeah. I'm back to because of yeah because mm -hmm. of. yeah yeah wow. wow wow so you were there um 17 now you're in college what is the next so I, I was baptized at 17. right i got in in into college at 18. 18, 18. okay wow. Okay. So, okay. You, so you got over the um, the atheism um, thinking mm. about, um, so you find Christ. Um, what's the next part of the journey from there now? Right. Yeah, so then, uh, so I, I started actually studying theology at 19, because the first year was that year of practice, as I, right. I uh, already mentioned. Right. And I, I finished college at uh, 23, so at 23... I was already a minister. I started uh, out in a district of uh, five churches plus two companies at that time. Okay. 
Wow. wow. They put they put you in the of things uh, right away. <laughs> and that that was a pretty pretty uh strong immersion experience. Mm. Because you know now I I was convinced that Christianity is the the right uh, philosophy of life, the right way of life. Uh, nevertheless, uh, my picture, my image of God was very distorted. Mm. I was a radical, a very radical. Okay. Oh, wow. uh, thank God, because I, I, I started out as a, uh, an associate pastor, right? Uh, um i i could not become an executive at that time right <laughs> okay. because because somebody else was the executive right. if i had the chance to become an executive i would have executed wow with uh, cold blood you know <laughs> wow but then god god is gracious you know uh, mm -hmm. grace 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 teaches you to unlearn and to learn things. Um, mm. A major breakthrough from from my distorted picture of God was um, one day stumbling upon uh, the sermons of uh, a Hispanic preacher. You may have heard about him. I, I always mention him, Alejandro Buyon. Mm -hmm. uh, he he is like C.D. Brooks uh, in the African American yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, right. community, or Mark Finley in the Anglo community. Mm -hmm. uh, Alejandro Bouillon is uh, the guy, the evangelist par excellence in the Hispanic area. Now, okay. at that time, I couldn't speak Spanish. Okay. I didn't know Spanish. Mm. To this day, I don't know how it happened that I stumbled upon uh, him on YouTube. YouTube was at the beginning. Oh, I think it wasn't even YouTube, if I'm not wrong. It was some other web page. Yeah. So I was looking for sermons uh, and I found him and I started listening to him. I couldn't understand big thing because uh, hey, that was Spanish. But something in the intonation of his voice and uh, the manner he spoke cut me. Wow. Okay. And that's when I decided to learn Spanish. Oh, so wow. uh, my English, my Spanish teacher is Alejandro Bullion. Okay. Uh, I even had the chance to, to meet him one day and, oh, and wow. uh, told him, uh, hey, you, you're my teacher. Oh, wow. And uh, pretty soon, like in a year, I was able to understand uh, everything he was saying. Because I, I started listening to his sermons while, while I was commuting from one church to the other. Because I had a quite a, a big territory to cover those days. So I would travel uh, from one point to the other and um, listen to his sermons. Now, there was, there was one uh, sentence he would uh, obsessively almost repeat toward the end of his sermons. Mm. And he would say something uh, of the effect of, to the effect of, uh, you are the most beautiful thing God has in this world. 
Tú eres la cosa más linda que Dios tiene en este mundo. And I, even now, even now when I, I think about that, I, I uh, recall the feelings he, his words stirred within myself. Right. I, I would find myself crying mm. uh, because I, I was discovering somebody that really loves me and really cares for me. Mm. Something I was missing in my childhood, in my early years, in my youth, because because uh, my father was not able, I believe, to provide that uh, emotional content. Right. Uh, I I grew up on my father's harsh criticism instead of of uh, his encouragements okay. right. and other abuse things. Mm -hmm. Uh, that that somehow uh, impacted negatively mm. my childhood, my early years. Mm. So yeah, uh, my encounter with Pastor Bouillon, and not Pastor Bouillon, it was Jesus Christ um, using that that uh, that uh, instrument of grace mm. to convert a pastor that was trying to convert other people to. Uh, to a God that he had a distorted picture of. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But you know, I, I never have a, 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 a bad feeling about how it evolved because I believe that's a trajectory in everybody's life. Right. Because uh, I was honest in my way of doing ministry in those days. And I didn't do, didn't make big mistakes in ministry per se because i had good mentors mm. and and uh, their mentorship their um way of protecting me from myself uh has been a huge blessing for me for later on when i i was in the position of mentoring other people right you know mm. so yep. so what can i say thank god for the the godly people that he placed in my lives. They were not perfect people, mm. but but uh, they were instrumentals of grace. And and uh, from that point on, the trajectory of, of my change and becoming uh, Pastor Joe, the way you know him to some extent okay. today, mm. <laughs> uh, has been a more intentional trajectory mm -hmm. because when you recognize you're loved you're valued you're the most beautiful thing god has in this world right that compels you towards seeing the same thing in other people right 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 and if 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 you can can uh, cry of joy when you discover the amazing way God has worked for you, you will be able to cry with somebody else that is fallen and that needs to recover. You know? Yeah. 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 Wow. I, ha I have a feeling it sounds, um, it sounds better in Spanish than in English. Though. Yes, it, does it have more feeling in Spanish when, when, it, when you hear it in Absolutely. Spanish? You, you're correct. You're correct. And the way Pastor Bouillon says it right make it learn spanish you know 
tú eres la cosa más linda que Dios tiene en este mundo. Mm. Yeah, see, you, even, even you saying it there, it sounds better, <laughs> man. Sounds real nice. Say hey, it in English now. I, I Say it in English. Stop, uh, literally, you know, I had, I had a CD player mm. uh, that, that was connected to a cassette. Okay. That was going into my uh, cassette player. Yeah, I know those. Yep. Oh, in the car. You know yes, in the car. Yep, I know those. Okay. Yep. So, so that's that's how I would listen to those those uh, CDs that I mm -hmm. I recorded uh, from from what I done, downloaded from the internet. Sometimes mm -hmm. the sound was so bad because mm -hmm. those are recordings um, from the early uh, 2000, right. probably. Yeah. Okay. So uh, technology wasn't that good in those days, but but I would stop. I would stop uh, the recording and 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 wind it back, mm. and re-listen it, and and I would say, "Oh my Lord, you are the most beautiful thing God has in this world." Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. <clears throat> I don't know if, if we will be able to speak about this in, in, in this section, mm -hmm. uh, but then, then there's another a huge uh, trauma of uh, trauma and grace of my life uh, when I, I went through a, a very painful divorce. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and and that's, on, that, that's, a, that's a good place to tease it for next week. So, yeah, yeah we, we're, we're going to leave it here on that cliffhanger. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, we're gonna wrap up this episode, and then next week you gotta come back to hear um, that next part, the, the the divorce part of the story. Mm -hmm. Yep, and then the um, and then the other and parts the of, of the journey, Pastor the Joe's journey, journey to where he is today. So, yeah. um, thank you so much again for um, for sharing so yeah. far, and uh, we can't wait until next week to continue the story. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you, guys. You know, uh, whenever. I have the chance to share my story. I'm just amazed. Even even now, I feel like, uh, oh my lord, oh, right. yeah. where would I have been now if it hadn't been for you? Wow! Yeah, God is amazing. You know. Yeah. Yes. It, it, just just the fact that uh, I am uh, having this conversation with you guys mm -hmm. is a proof that god is able yes amen amen for sure for sure all right so um don you're gonna close yes. out this episode and remember next week next my week. testimony we continue with pastor joe all right thank you again for coming on so don we'll close it out with prayer yes my my pleasure my pleasure thank you Loving Father, we thank you so much for this journey. What an amazing journey you've led our pastor on. And the journey is just continuing. I thank you for the way that you have shown him so many different things to the point that he is valuable in your sight. Mm -hmm. What an amazing lesson for all of us to remember how valuable we are in your sight. So help us now, God, that as we go forward, But the rest of this story, you'll help us to understand how truly great you are and how you are able to reach us wherever we are and help us to come to realization that we too can have a place in your kingdom. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 
All right, Pastor Joe. Um, yep. We'll see you. We'll see you next week for, uh, for part two. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Looking forward. Yeah. Yeah. Looking, looking forward. forward to yeah. and I know viewers are. So, um, so take care until then, and we'll talk soon.